Alrighty then, so I was looking back through all my notes that I had taken in a push, and I found that I had made a little footnote about uh, the line of succession in the presidency, and who takes over when the pre if the president dies or is uh, removed from office. As I was going through that, I realized that that's actually kind of a cool topic about who takes over. So I've decided to make that the topic of today's talk. Alrighty then, so to answer that first question, the answer is the Vice President. After that, Speaker of the House. The third up is President Pro Temper of the Senate. Uh, side note on this one, that has a tradition of being the oldest, the most senior senator in, uh, in the Senate. So the current sitting one is Patrick Lay. Um, after that comes the Secretary of State. Fifth is the Secretary of the Treasury, then Secretary of Defense, the Attorney General tied with the Secretary of the Interior, then Secretary of Agriculture, Secretary of Commerce, Secretary of Labor, Secretary of Health and Human Services, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Secretary of Transportation, Secretary of Energy, Secretary of, Ed of Education, Secretary of Veteran Affairs tied out time with the acting secretary of homeland security so those are uh, 18 people who take who take over for the president if he's unable to do his job so I got to looking at this and realized that this is quite a number of people and are all the sitting cabinet members interesting note is the Speaker of the House and the President Pro Temper of the Senate, along with the Vice President, are all not all elected positions by either the people in general or by the Senate. See, this is actually really important, historically speaking, because that means that the people will choose the next three people that would serve as President, meaning the presidency still sits with elected officials, people who are representative of the vast majority of people. After that, it comes to his cabinet, which, by the way, are also approved by Congress, which means that, essentially, all officials that take after the president would be all people that have been chosen by either the people or representatives. And I think that's really interesting that that has been thought out so far. That as to make it so that elected officials and representatives of the people will remain representative of the people. So that's just an interesting thing that I noted. But then I got to looking at my favorite list for no other reason than how interesting it is. And that's the line of succession for the British crown. Now, of course, you know, there's the Queen Elizabeth II. After her comes Charles then William, uh, and then would come the royal child. Uh, after that's Harry. Then, interestingly enough, it comes to Charles's brother, Andrew. Then uh, goes through all of his uh, children and grandchildren. Then, this is the part that I think is really cool. It goes, then it goes to the women, or Princess Anne, the daughter of the Queen of England, which, side thing, I'm really intrigued that she's never mentioned, 
See, you always hear about Charles, and occasionally you might hear about Andrew or Edward, but you never really hear about Anne. The fact that there are more than just, well, one royal child. And that's only because Charles was the firstborn. He's the next in line. After that, it comes out through all these people. Now, here's where it gets kind of cool. After you go through the children of George the Sixth, it goes to the children of Henry D. Uh, Gloucester. And that's, I believe, a relative, or probably the brother of King George. Here's where it gets kind of cool. Then it goes to the royal family of Greece. See, it goes through all of that, and the royal family of Greece married into one of the brothers, that whole dealio, with royals marrying royals, and then it goes back to Great Britain, Great Britain, until the true transfer of royalty to a foreign family, and that's the children of Olav V of Norway. Which means if 72 people were to die, the Norwegian royal family would take over from the English. After you go through the Norwegian royal family, you get into the Danish. After that, the Romanian, back to the Greeks. And then, this gets interesting, it would have been Hohenzollern, which is the ru ruling family of Prussians. So, after you have all these Englishmen coming in, then you have the Prussians, but that line's extinct. It then goes to Yugoslavia, marry, marrying in with the Greece, into Romania again, back to the Danish, then the Russians. After the Russians, you keep going, it kind of flips back and forth all the minor German states and whatnot, back to England, or at least Great Britain. Then you get uh, the Danish again, going through the Danish, you get a uh, couple hundred, you go back into the English, then the Prussians, after the Prussians, it keeps going on and on, now you're looking at about 500 people in, it's all still Prussians, because the Prussian family is very large, you get some more minor German states, all the way back to England again, intertwining, so on and so forth. Now you're looking at 800 or so people. It's all going around all these lords and ladies and Germans. And then I found the most interesting thing. At the very bottom of the list, at 5,753rd, you have a woman by the name of Karen Vogel who was interviewed about her place as the last of the English crown royalty. Meaning that if 5,752 people were to die, she would be the reigning monarch. And I literally think that is the coolest thing ever. That there's in fact a last person in line for the English crown. That she can brag about being the last person to receive the English crown. Despite the fact that she's German and her whole family has lived in Germany and probably. So, I think the other interesting thing about the English crown is how much 
the royals intermarried. That you can go from one royal family back out again, back into it, and that you can go back through all of these countries and still end up back in England, and then, lo and behold, end up back somewhere and end in Germany. The English crown ends in Germany, of all places. Not like Wales, Scotland, England, Germany. The other interesting thing is there's no French, which is for good reason, because the English and the French really never liked each other, and that whole issue of if there there was a couple French-English marriages and that whole dealio, but they never would receive the crown, ever, which there's, I guess, one set of descendants from the Orleans family that would, but... They were all married in with the Spaniards or the uh, with Greece. So the Greek royal family. Side thing: the Greek royal family is the same as the Danish. I didn't know this, but that's the same lineage. Um, so anyway, uh, I think that's just kind of cool. Then I got to look even further at surviving royal families, the big ones, the ones that everybody knows. If you've looked at any section of European history. Namely, the Hohenzorns and the Habsburgs. The two people who hated each other. The two families that despised each other. And I found out that there is still a head of house for both of those. Uh, George Frederick, Prince of Prussia, the, the current head of the House of Hohenzorn, the former ruling dynasty of the German Empire, and Prince Lawrence of Belgium, Archduke of Austria Est, the current sitting head of the House of Habsburgs, went out to the Habsburg Lorraine, who's a member of the Belgian royal family. The Habsburg Lorraines were the ruling family of the Holy Roman Roman Empire, which became Prussia. But you see, these two families hate each other, and have hated each other for hundreds of years, which now prompts me to ask, have these two men ever met? Because that would probably be the most entertaining meet of all time. To see these two guys, gentlemen in their own right, meet each other, both coming from a lineage that long stands hating each other. And I think that is just kind of funny to imagine that a feud like that could still possibly live on through these two men. Now, I got to looking even further and I found that there's surviving members of some actually really interesting countries. The fact that there's still a living bourbon relative, which by the way, is a man by the name of Alphonse Duke of Cadiz, by the proper full name, Louise Alphonse de Bourbon. So, you go back through all this and find all these really slightly odd people who have these histories that long overstate them, and these whole long sets of lines of succession that have lasted hundreds of years, and will probably last hundreds of years further. And 
I think that's just kind of neat. I just thought that this was an interesting topic to kind of look at. That there's a line of succession for anywhere from the President of the United States to the Queen of England, the Monarch of England, or the House of Bourbon and House of Hohenzollern and the House of Habsburg. And that these people hold in their name and in their blood history. And that's what kind of makes us really neat. And so, uh, that's just what I found interesting this week. I hope you enjoyed, and that I might have saved you the lecture. This is Holt, signing off. <laughs>